If you would, turn with me to John 20. I'm in the book of John, and I try to plan it where this Sunday morning we could uh, look at John 20. Death is robbed of its prey, and we finally come in the Gospels after his trials, six of them, uh, after his bloody crucifixion. Now we come after his burial by Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus. Uh, we now come to the narrative of John. I'm going to uh, read this narrative, uh, but I want to talk about the first eyewitness to the resurrection of Christ. Uh, maybe the most unlikely person in the world in this culture to be the first eyewitness of a resurrected Christ. Let's pick, pick up in chapter 20. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. This is John, the writer of the book. He's being modest. He doesn't want to give his name, but he's talking about himself. Uh, and to this John, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple, being modest, outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen clothes lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter, do you think Peter's going to go in? Following him, went into the tomb. He saw the linen clothes lying there and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen clothes, but folded up in a place by itself. If it was tomb robbers, they wouldn't fold up the linen cloths. It'd be about like the thief vacuuming the floor before he flees. No, wouldn't do it. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb, he goes in, and he saw and believed. This is John. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. How many times did Christ say this? And yet it says right there, they never understood it. There's some of you, you've heard the gospel a hundred times, but you've never heard it. You've heard preachers. You've heard the message. You've heard about he died. He rose again. I never heard it until I believed it. I never got it. And here they heard it, heard it, heard it, never got it. Then the disciples went back to their homes. That is Peter and John. But watch. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. 
Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Interesting in the narrative. The disciples didn't know that he would really rise again, and he had told them over and over again. Here, she sees Christ, but she doesn't know it's Christ. Amazing. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary, Miriam. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, stop clinging to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. It is an amazing event that the, all three of them, uh, quite a few women, went to the uh, tomb early in the morning, and they had left. They had even accompanied Joseph Arimathea in the burial. Uh, the women stayed with Christ and the body all the way to the tomb. The men fled. The men went home. The women stayed at the cross, accompanied them to the burial. And the first thing on Easter morning, according to the other Gospels, as you put them together, it was the women that showed up early in the morning, not the, other, not the disciples. None of the men showed up. They were sleeping in. It was all the women that showed up. And here John picks up this one woman because the other women dispensed, but she stays at the tomb. And uh, we want to look at uh, what actually happened here, this first person and the events that happened on resurrection morning that he picks this person. Who is this woman? First of all, this is absurd in this culture that a woman would be the first one to see a resurrected Christ. They could not even testify in court. In the synagogue, the women could not sit with the men. It was a culture that despised both women and children. That anything they had to say did not count. So why in the world would God choose to reveal himself first to a woman? I don't know. You'll have to ask him. But he did. He broke all cultural mores. You don't entrust great news like this to a woman. But God said the woman's seed would crush the head of the serpent. And so Mary Magdalene. Who is Mary? It's a lot of debate. Uh, Magdalene comes from, she was probably from a place called Magdala, 
And so uh, she's mentioned in the Gospels. Luke 8 mentions her. She was a woman that uh, had seven demons cast out of her at one time when she first met Christ. So her house, her body, had been the home of evil spirits. Some call her the notorious sinner. Some make her the immoral woman. We have no proof of that. But we do know she was a demon-possessed woman of whom Jesus set free. Uh, she followed Jesus after that event. According to Luke, she was a woman of some wealth. And she and some other women kept underwriting Jesus and his ministry. Just think of this. Jesus never stayed at a motel. Jesus had no place that he could take his disciples and say, come on over to my house. He didn't have a house. Joseph had died. He didn't go to his own mother's house hardly ever. If he went anywhere, it was Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. But these women, women underwrote him for whatever financial needs he had while he was in his humility. These women joined themselves to him, underwrote him. Uh, she was at the cross, if you see in chapter 19, uh, when everybody takes off, the women are right there by the cross. Uh, when Jesus, we pick up verse 25, but standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Clophas, and Mary Magdalene. Where were the disciples? It was the women that stayed at the cross. It was the women that was first to the tomb. It was a woman like this that uh, followed and went along to be sure Jesus was buried right. They brought spices. They were there. They were devoted followers of Christ. And she's going to be the first proclaimer of the resurrection. You know, by the time we get through debating what woman, women can do in society or the church, let me say this. God picked this woman to be the first one to bear the gospel. First one. She's the first one that ever said, Christ rose again. I saw it. I know it. Let's look at five things that uh, she experienced in this encounter with a resurrected Christ. First of all, verse 14, she didn't recognize him when she saw him. She thought he was the gardener. Now, now look at this. This woman has been through a horrendous day yesterday. It's early in the morning. Uh, she's gone, run back, told the men, come to the tomb. She's in sorrow. She's weeping. Uh, she's wondering. And all of a sudden, after these uh, angelic beings depart, uh, she looks and uh, there's someone that talks to her, but she's saying, I'm in a garden. This must be the gardener. Uh, this is nothing new in Scripture. God has shown up many times, and those that were there didn't know who he was. 
Think of the Emmaus Road in Luke 24. They're walking along the Emmaus Road, two men. They're discussing the events of the crucifixion. And as they talk, Jesus joins them all of a sudden, and he's walking with them, and they kept walking. They didn't even know who he was. This is the resurrected Christ. But their hearts were so full of sorrow, they had no perception of who was traveling with them. And he finally opens their eyes to see that it's him. They were on the Sea of Galilee one time, and all of a sudden, Jesus comes walking on the waters, and they say, well, there's another ghost. How many times did they ever see a ghost walking on the water? They're blind. They don't know who he is. Jacob said one time when he was at Bethel, God was here, and I didn't know it. God was here, and I didn't know it. And I sort of wonder how many times God might have been there when our heart was broken, and we were losing hope, and we were in despair, and he showed up, and you never realized it was him. It's easy not to recognize Christ. The majority of this world still doesn't know who he is, and they wouldn't know him if they saw him. Only he can make you understand who he is. Second thing, she, um, uh, it's very interesting. Uh, she said, what have you done? Where, what are you doing, woman? What are you seeking? And she, thinking he was the gardener, said, well, they've carried him away. Tell me where you've laid him, and I will take care care of him, I will take him away. Now, how could Mary carry Jesus' body? She, even at this stage, is saying, let me know where he is. I'll take care of him. What a startling reality that was going to happen. Mary, I'll never need to be taken care of again. Never. You see, I'm going home, and I got angels waiting on me. I got all of heaven bowing to me. I won't need any more your support. I will have a place to lay my head. I have a throne up there. This is where I came from. That's where I'm going back. Thanks for the offer, hon, but I don't need it. You won't have to rescue me. I'm going where nobody can get to me. Nobody can hurt me. But in her heart, oh, what a heart of a servant. I want to go in there. And I want to do something to help him. You know what? I have to say this. The only way you can help Jesus today is to help people. He's doing fine. There's nothing we've got that he needs. And he says, if you want to love me, and if you want to help me, help people. Uh, one of the judgments of Matthew 25, people say, uh, Jesus says, enter into my kingdom. You fed me. You clothed me. You visited me in prison, and the people are startled. When did we ever see you this way? And he said, when you did it to the least of my brothers, you did it to me. In this world, the only way you'll ever minister to Jesus is to minister to people. He doesn't need our money today. You know why we took the offering? We want to pay the mortgage. We want to buy the literature. We want to pay the PG. We want to do all that mundane stuff that, you know what? I just wanted to be married and have kids. I didn't want to pay rent. It comes with it. 
We're not about taking offerings. We're about the gospel. But it sure takes a lot of money to do what we do. And yet, what's the most important is Christ. Christ. Well, he says something that I think, what makes her finally realize who she's talking to? He said, Mary. Miriam. Now, I'm going to ask you, how many women in the world do you think are named Mary? Especially the Hebrew women. Miriam. Going all the way back to most, it was one of the most common names you could have. How many Smiths are there in the world? How many Browns? How many Joneses? How many Phillips? How many Dianes? How many this and that? But he, he just said this, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni. That's what she knew him as, as the teacher. You come to recognize Christ once he speaks your name. And there is something about the personality and the individuality of this relationship with Christ. I remember when he spoke my name, and I came, and I came to understand it. It's amazing. It wasn't just Mary. She obviously recognized the tone, the enunciation, whatever. She knew when she heard her name. Scripture says that Jesus calls his own by name. He has named his people. And he speaks to them, come to me. And when you hear that voice, that is the voice of eternity that arrested our heart when we were in. That's what arrested Randy. He finally heard the voice of Jesus say, come to me and I'll give you rest. Come to me and I'll give you hope. Mary, and immediately the recognition light comes on. I sort of thought about that. Uh, in my marriage, uh, when there were differences, one of the uh, irritants that I have dealt with is the tonality of, in which I'm spoken to. And sometimes I've said, uh, you seem very harsh. I just told you to take out the trash. Could you put that in a requestive mode? Could you, uh, Philip, would you please take out Instead of, would you take out the trash? And why didn't you do it yesterday? Uh, and she said, you're so touchy about tone. I said, I am. Because the tone of your voice says more than the message you bear. Your face and tone are the message. Do I have a witness? The message and the tone. Hey, get in and do that. Do that. Or you say the instruction. I said, do it. See, all that. Our voice, our face, communion. I, I think of uh, uh, my own parents. They, didn't your parents have a way of saying your name different from anyone else? And there was a, a, a tonality and a uh, decimal level my mother reached when you better get in. It, it, it's when she hit that third level, 
Then you quit playing with the guys, and you got in. Uh, the third, that was always the third. She said, I'm never going to call you over three times. That was mercy. Uh, tonality. Uh, I ask you this. How does God talk to us today? I had a man ask me the other day, uh, how do you know when God's talking to you? How do you know it's not just your heart, your imagination, your this or that? God talks to us through this. He has given his word. That's, now, can you hear his voice if you won't read his word? Because some of you are too lazy to read his word, so you're hoping he's just going to talk to you out of clear blue. And God said, you remember what the rich man in hell, he said, please send somebody back to tell my brothers not to come to this place. And Abraham said, if they will not listen to the prophets and if they will not listen to Moses, even though one were to come back from the dead, they will not listen to him. What God has said in his word, God talks constantly to us in this book. This is his word. Uh, the, you know what? I wish your eyes could be turned into ears. When you read that, he's talking to you. Is that true? God talks to us in his word. I was not in any armies. I was not in any wars. My, my wife still has the love letters from her dad and mom when he was in World War II. She still has them after all these years. Mother left them to daughter. She's kept a few that she wrote me. She didn't write me very much because we weren't apart. We were, she's conquered. I was over here. But in the summer, I would preach. I was preaching in uh, Fort Smith, Arkansas, Van Buren, Arkansas, uh, Seminole, Oklahoma, Chickasha. Paris, Arkansas. I was preaching in the summer. I preached in this Tulsa. I was holding meetings back there in the summer. I was 19, and uh, we were engaged by the time we were 19. And uh, she would write, and always sparingly uh, with her words of affection. She didn't say this, "I love you, love you, baby." No, no. When she said it, you just clung to it because that—that's that, not her makeup. But I still have some of the letters she wrote, and that was her voice. That was her voice. I hated the way she started the letters, always. How are you doing? I don't want any questions. I want you to state how you feel about me. She'd get to it. I still got them. I, the perfume has evaporated, but the words are there. That was her voice. That was her vocabulary. That was her sentiments. God is talking to us today through his word. He's talking to you right here in John 20 and saying, I'm maybe the unrecognized guest in your life. I might be the unrecognized person 
in your life, in your sorrows, your disappointments. I show up at the hardest times because I want you to know who I am. You ought to be listening for him to call your name. Come unto me. Whosoever calleth on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever will may come. You can know God. You must come. You must come by faith. You must believe in this resurrected Christ. He goes on uh, to say that, uh, tells her that uh, she must back off because she's clinging to Christ. Matthew said she fell at his feet, grasped his feet, and didn't want to let go. Why was she doing that? She didn't want to lose him again. She's clinging out of anxiety, really. She adored this man that had delivered her from demons. She loved this man that she'd followed for three years. She loved this man that brought her to the tomb early in the morning. And she's just saying, I don't want to lose him. I don't want him to be taken away. I don't want him to be arrested. And he's saying, whoa, 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 Mary, Mary, let go because I'm on a mission. I'm, I'm going back to the Father. And over those 40 days, he's up and down many times because he will appear 12 different times during those 40 days. Let go, Mary. You can't hold me to yourself. We can't just stay here in the garden. And then he tells her, I've got an assignment for you. I want you to take the good news. This is a day of not weeping. I want you to take the good news to all the brethren. And he says something wonderful. Go tell my brothers I'm alive. Isn't that interesting? They move from disciples to brothers. Did you know what the cross made possible? Christ has turned his sinners into family members. You could become a family member of Christ simply putting your faith in him. You become a, a brother, a son. You're born into a family. And that's what he says. I want to make you sons. I want to make you my brothers. Go tell them. Go tell them. Well, I think of um, what do we gain from this? What, what do we gain from this uh, encounter with this first person by herself getting to see the resurrected Christ? Well, let me give you five things. One, she visibly saw him in a body. She saw him visibly in a body, a real body. Two, she heard the voice of a risen, resurrected Christ. He can talk in a resurrected body. Uh, he can be seen. She recognized and saw him when she heard him. So, this is wonderful. We will recognize Christ when we see him, and we will see him. She touched a real body. She didn't reach out for the feet, and all of a sudden it went through because it's spirit like a Casper or uh, wind. She didn't reach, and there was nothing there. For in the resurrected body, there is substance. We're not, we don't become spirit. We're bone and flesh in a resurrected body. Because the Greek world nor the Roman world believed in the physical resurrection of a body. 
They didn't say, they said immortality of the soul. The soul goes on forever and ever. Jesus said, I'm not talking just about soul. I'm talking about I'm going to resurrect a body. Touch me, Thomas. And you can touch me, Mary. You just can't hold me here. There's going to be a real body when we see Christ. And I think what's the clincher, she obeyed the resurrected Christ. Now, let's apply this to ourselves. Number one, I have never seen the physical body of Jesus Christ. But according to 1 John 3, someday he shall come, and when I see him, I will see him as he is, and I will become like him in my body. He'll transform your body. This is a resurrection hope. That's why it's not depression for us to do funerals. Funerals are filled with hope because Christ is the sample of what happens. Two, I have heard his voice as millions throughout history have heard the voice of Jesus say, come unto me, believe. I heard it through his witnesses. I've heard it through his written word. And it's as good, it's as good. B.B. Warfield one time said, what the Bible says, God says. When God speaks, he often speaks in this word. This is God's voice. Whatever he says to you to do, do it. This is the voice of God. Three, uh, I've recognized that Jesus is who he said he was. Born of a virgin, crucified like Scripture said, and raised as God promised. I've not touched his body yet, but i sure I will in eternity. He said in Zechariah that those Jews that see Christ come back to the earth, they will look on him and begin to wail as a woman who's lost her firstborn child, and he will show them to himself, show him his hands, and they'll ask him, where did you get these wounds in your hands? He said, I got them in the house of my friends. And no doubt he'll let them do like Thomas of old. Go ahead and put your hand in my wounds. Did you know in eternity, I believe you'll be able to touch the body of Jesus? We'll come in contact with him. He won't be just way up there, way up there. No, I want to say, Lord, you've got to do for me as much as you did for Thomas. I want to touch him. For I believed without seeing, and you said, I'm more blessed but I still want to touch you someday. And I, with millions of others, have responded to the voice of this resurrected Christ. And guess what the response was? Don't keep it to yourself. Go tell the disciples who have become brothers. Go tell them. I often at Easter, one of my favorite uh, historical stories that I often read and bear with me, those who've heard it before. It's just so marvelous right out of history that I want to conclude with this marvelous bit of history. Wellington was engaged in fighting Napoleon, historic battle. And because he was over in France, and you had the uh, British Isles there and the English Channel separating them, uh, it had been arranged that uh, when this British general, when the battle 
had gone one way or the other. They had put signalmen on the top of Winchester Cathedral. And with the instructions to keep their eye on the sea. And they were to be watching the ships. And they were to have a certain signal to go across. And to let them know how the battle went. This was historic. Had England not survived this, no doubt Napoleon would have invaded England and we'd be, we would be speaking French. It was a crucial battle. Most never thought Wellington had a fighting chance against this French genius at battle. They arranged at the channel. They had the ship signalmen. And so the first ship sent out a signal that said, Wellington. The next word signal was defeated. The fog moved into the channel, and for three hours, the message went across England that we've been defeated. We've been defeated. After three hours, the fog lifted from the channel, and once again, the signalman sent out the message. It said, Wellington defeated the enemy. On Good Friday, the fog came in, and it said, Christ defeated. Three days later, the fog lifted, and it says, Christ defeated the enemy. He's alive. Our Father, we pray for those with us today that Jesus Christ would become their Savior if they do not know him. And if they uh, are someone here that is drowning in the issues of life and they've become blinded to the Christ, they may know Christ even as Mary did, but at this time in their life they're blinded by sorrow, disappointment, pain, maybe illness, and they're blinded to Christ, that he's there with them. I ask, open their eyes, speak their name, and let them cling to Christ in faith so that they will be assured, I am with you, and I will be with you until the end. May we trust in a risen Christ.